Turn with me, please, this morning to two openings. Well, actually, just one. The other's close by. So, 1 Corinthians 15 and 57. You like that one? <laughs> 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Read it out loud with me, please. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What a great word. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hold your place there. Turn over just a page or two to 2 Corinthians the second chapter. Second Corinthians, the second chapter. And the 14th verse. It says, read it out loud with me, please. Now, thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. And we'll stop there for our purposes today. Thanks be unto God, which or who always causes us to triumph. Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory. Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. The title of the series is Thanksgiving Victory. Thanksgiving Victory. Is there a connection between victory and thanksgiving? Oh, there is. Oh, there is. We know just inside ourselves, without understanding it all in our head, we know thanksgiving is good, and it's right, and it's important. The Lord said something to me years ago that started me on a track of thinking, and in recent times, He's opened it up to me, and I'm beginning to see I hardly understood anything of what he said to me back there then. A little bit, you can only walk in the light that you have. But I'm beginning to see the connection between thanksgiving and total victory. You wouldn't have to understand it all to do it. You could just thank God night and day. And it would do amazing things for you. Brother Kenneth Hagin, my father in the faith, has gone home to be with the Lord. Now, he said as a little boy, he could not figure out, pondered it, puzzled him. He thought about it, how a brown cow could eat green grass and give white milk. <laughs> you churn it and make yellow butter. He could not figure that. But all the while he's trying to figure it out. He's drinking the milk. (laughs) You don't have to wait till you understand it to enjoy it. Or do it. Or partake of it. And this is what the Lord said to me some years ago. I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but inside me very distinctly. He talks to you the way you understand. And if that sounds strange to you, God talking to people, then friend, you just need to learn some things. Because he's always talked to his people. 
And he's wanting to talk to you. He's been trying to talk to you. You just need to learn how he speaks. And how to listen to him. How to yield to him. He spoke to my heart. I remember I was in a time of getting quiet and waiting on him. He said, Keith, would you like to know how to increase your capacity to receive from me? I didn't have to meditate on that. I didn't didn't have to think on that. Three seconds. I said, yes, yes, please. I would like to know how to increase my capacity to receive from you. Now, there's a lot of revelation just in that phrase, isn't it? We don't receive according to what God can do. We don't receive just according to the will of God. We don't receive according to the provision of redemption. Just because God's will is this or that for us doesn't mean we're going to receive it just because it's His will. We don't receive according to His power to do it. How do we receive? How many times do we see Jesus tell people, according to your faith? He could have said according to my power. He could have said according to the will of God. He could have said according to the ability of God or the plan of God. He didn't say it. What did he say? According to your faith. And here he said, would you like to know how to increase your capacity, your ability to receive from me? So we see here that if I'm going to enjoy something that God has for me, i got to receive it. And that my ability to receive him from him is at various stages, can be narrow and limited, or can be enlarged and increased. You remember the psalmist talking about that Israel turned and limited the Holy One of Israel. He wasn't limited in what he could do. But they had limited him in what he could do for them by the narrowness of their insides. Do you think God could help you to enlarge so that you could see bigger and think bigger and believe greater and receive more? Are you interested in increasing your capacity? To receive from Him. Do you think the great heart of our Father God is just yearning to pour more into us? And to give us more and do more for us? What's the limiter? It's our ability to receive. So yes, this is huge. Would you like to know how to increase your capacity to receive from me? He asked me. And it's just as much for you. He said this, cultivate a lifestyle of thanksgiving. Every word significant. Cultivate means it's not going to happen unless you make an effort. Cultivate a lifestyle. That's not just something you do during service time. Lifestyle is night and day, home and work, church everywhere, right? Cultivate a lifestyle of thanksgiving. 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 You need to get in a habit. 
Right? A habit of what? Habit of thanking God. When the conversation lulls and you don't know what to say, I'm telling you what to say right now. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Now, many have understood that giving thanks is the correct response when something good has been done for you. Many have understood that. God does something good for you. God uses somebody else. Somebody does something for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. After something has happened. But not nearly as many have seen the power of thanking God before you see it. Look there in our text again, 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God, which what? Has given. Is that past tense? No. Giveth. Thanks be unto God who gives and will give. Giveth. That's a present tense continuum. He's thanking God for things he hasn't experienced yet. Victories he hasn't experienced yet. God who gives us the victory. Look at 2 Corinthians, the same thing there. 2 Corinthians 2.14. Now thanks be unto God, which always, what? Always causes us. That's future. Not has caused us. Always causes us. Oh, friend, for whatever it is that you've been needing, that you don't have yet, that you'd like to have, that you need to have, You must not beg God for it. You must not just ask Him for it hundreds and hundreds of times. What must we do? We must sow our seed. We must ask. We pray. We believe. We receive. That doesn't take all that long. (laughs) Then what do you do the rest of the time? What do you do the rest of the time till you see it, till you feel it? Quit trying to get it and believe He's granted it to you. Quit struggling for it. Quit laboring about it. And just begin to say. Thank you Lord. 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 Anybody in here know Doc Horton? Doc and Jerry Horton. Friends of Phyllis and mine. He's got a book. Called Thank You for the Biscuit. (laughs) You'd have to know Doc. And it's based on, as a young boy growing up in uh, rural Georgia, they had a big family. And he was one of the youngest and least. And uh, biscuits were a treat, man. Didn't always have biscuits. And so they went real quick. But there was a rule at their house. It didn't matter if you were the least little guy and if you were 10 feet at the end of the table away from the last biscuit. If you were the first one that said, thank you for the biscuit, (laughs) it was your biscuit. 
<laughs> Nobody could touch it. They had to pass it to you. <laughs> Somebody say, thank you for the biscuit. This is before the biscuit left the plate. This is before the biscuit passed all them hungry mouths of your brothers and sisters on the way to you at the end of the table. Before you got to put syrup on it. Or butter or whatever, jelly, whatever you do with your biscuit. But the key is, you don't wait till the biscuit's in your mouth to say thank you for the biscuit. Thanks be unto God, which always causes. Thanks be unto God who gives. You're thanking God before you see it. That's faith. But there's more to it than that. We don't just receive by faith. We receive by grace through faith. Faith is the way we receive it. Grace is why we get it. And what I hadn't seen until recent times is that thanksgiving is a receiver of grace. And thanksgiving is an act of faith. When it's done from your heart and done right, it accesses grace. And it's an act of faith. And it's one of the easiest ways to get in faith and stay in faith as long as it takes for God to get it to you and manifest it in your life. Friends, we should make our our mouth and our heart and our mind do its duty. And stop begging. And stop pleading. And stop clamoring. And start thanking. Go to Matthew 16, please. I, are you believing God with me this morning? I got a lot in me. Believe with me now. Help me out. Matthew 16, verse 21. From that time forth, he began to show his disciples how he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him. That was a mistake. And he said, be it far from you, Lord, this shall not be to you. The margin of my Bible, and probably a lot of yours is the same, it says the Greek there, for be it far from you, it says, pity yourself. Pity yourself. But he turned and said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. For you savor not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Now this is a very strong response to a man and, and in front of people that Jesus loved, and they loved him. Some might have considered this harsh. Uh, the Lord said something to me some years ago, 
He said, if I'd have lived in your time, he said, some would have accused me of verbal abuse. (laughs) They're just abusing me. Is that true? Or is it true that you just won't receive any correction? You're such a little whiny baby. You can't take anything without getting your feelings hurt, getting all bent out of shape. If you won't receive correction, you cannot grow. You cannot develop. And there's no such thing as any of us that never needs any correction. You ever hear parents say, you know, i got such the most amazing boy, the most amazing daughter, 14 years old. I've never had to correct them. Well, they're a terror then. I don't even have to meet them. (laughs) You've never corrected them? They're a basket case. Whom the Lord loves, he chastens. He corrects. Did Jesus correct his guys, his people? I mean, he spoke sternly at times in love. He loved them, but he didn't mince words. You know, think about Peter. Only one that had the courage to say, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come. And he got out of the boat, walked on the water. Now, that's big stuff. But he began to get his eyes on the wind and waves and began to sing, said, oh, help me, Lord, help me. And the Lord grabbed him. What did the Lord say? Why'd you doubt? Where's your faith? If that had been a lot of people, they'd have been at the therapist the next morning. <laughs> then, laying on the couch, good. <laughs> I've left everything for him. Everything. Did anybody else get out of the boat? I don't think so. It was just me. There was nobody else out there. Anybody else ever, ever in the history of mankind ever walked on the water beside me and Jesus? I don't think so. Did he say, good job, Peter? No. No. All he says is, where's your faith? We live in a generation of sissies, little whiny babies. I'm talking about men, women, everybody can't take any correction. If it's not a compliment couched in soft tones, they've learned to holler, verbal abuse. Oh, they're abusing me. They're abusing me. I just can't take this. And that's why you'll be a baby 20 years from now. And never grow up. (laughs) Now, there is such a thing as people just trying to hurt folks with their words. And trying to be mean and hateful and hurt them. And that's wrong. And we're not talking about that. But there's a whole lot of stuff called verbal abuse that's not. It's just people won't receive any correction. None. None. Jesus wheeled around and said, get behind me, Satan. How do you think Peter's feeling right about now? 
You are an offense to me. This is a strong response. Strong response. Jesus would not have done this unless there was a really good reason why. And that's what we're talking. So what's that got to do with Thanksgiving? Everything. Listen to some other translations. The New English in verse 23 says, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. The English version says, Get away from me, Satan. You are an obstacle in my way. God's Word translation says, Get out of my way, Satan. You're tempting me to sin. The basic Bible said, Get out of my way, Satan. You are a danger to me. You're a danger to me. You're tempting me. You're trying to trip me up. What was so dangerous to Jesus? What? Pity thyself. Oh, friends, are you here? What was the enemy trying to get him to do through a well-meaning Peter? What did Peter say? He's telling them what he's about to go through. He's telling them he's about to be mistreated. He's about to be hurt. He's about to go through things. He's about to be killed. And Peter said, no way. No, no way. Be it far from you. Pity yourself. Think about yourself. See, that was the danger. The enemy's trying to get him. Think about yourself. And this was such a danger, such a temptation. Jesus wheeled around, and I mean, he rebuked the devil. He didn't care who he was talking through. Close friend or no. Friend, absolutely one of the most dangerous things you or I could ever do in this world in life is feel sorry for ourselves. Feeling sorry for yourself is pride, selfishness, unbelief, unthankfulness will cut you off from the grace of God. Now, whether you understand it or not, don't throw that phrase away. You heard me now. Unthankfulness and feeling sorry for yourself will cut you off. From the grace of God. If you're cut off from the grace of God, you're in a mess. No way are you going to receive except by the grace of God and through your faith. Every blessing of God, every good thing from God that's available to us, that's the only way we're going to get it, is by grace, through faith. Go to 1 Corinthians, please. The 10th chapter. Jesus said, you're a danger to me. What was so dangerous? If it was dangerous to Jesus, sure dangerous to us. What was so dangerous? He said, you're an offense to me. Have you ever met somebody offended? At somebody else? <laughs> Oh, you didn't have to go far now, did you? And don't raise your hand, but have you ever gotten offended? What is offended? 
Well, mad, hurt, upset at somebody. You get offended at people basically for two reasons. One, what they did to you. Two, what they didn't do (laughs) for you. (laughs) That's it. And here's the phrase that so many times people are not thinking. What they did to me that I didn't deserve. What they didn't do for me that I deserved. And here's another phrase the Lord spoke to me concerning this other thing. This was years later now. But he said this to me. I wrote it down. It was burned in me though. He said, you cannot be gracious to someone who feels they deserve it. Cannot. It's impossible. That includes him. If you feel you deserve it, now you have taken yourself away from grace. You've made it impossible for God or anybody else to give you grace and be gracious to you. Because if they do it for you. You wouldn't consider it grace. You consider it owed to you. It should be done. I'm supposed to have it. And that is the condition unthankful people are in. You're not thankful for what you think belongs to you. For what you think people should do for you. For what you think people are supposed to do for you. You're not thankful. You're just like, well, they're supposed to do that. They should do that. I deserve it. I have eliminated that phrase from my vocabulary in talking about myself. I don't like it. I don't like it when other people say it. I don't normally try to correct everybody. But if people say, oh, you know, something good happened to you. And they go, oh, well, you deserve it. You know, you work hard for it. You deserve it. I don't believe it. I don't say it. I don't like it when other people say it. It's not true. I don't deserve it. Nor do you. Search the scripture out. Don't just take my word for it. Get this straight now. If that rubs you the wrong way and you think, well, you know, I worked hard. I deserve something. No, you don't. You ever heard somebody that was having some trouble and they're crying and said, what did I ever do to deserve this? You know what the answer is? Plenty. Plenty. Lots. <laughs> In fact, if you get what you deserve, haven't you sinned? Haven't you come short of the glory of God? Isn't the wages of sin death? Isn't there a curse for disobedience and unbelief and fear? So if you and I got what we deserved, We'd be sick and broke and mentally tormented and full of sin all our short, miserable life. And we'd die prematurely and go to hell and spend eternity there if we got what we deserved. You don't want to be talking about what you deserve. (laughs) What you want is grace. Grace. Because by grace, Jesus took what we deserved so we could get what we didn't deserve. But everything we've got and everything we'll ever get from him 
It's not because we earned it or was worthy of it or merited it some way, but because he was gracious to us and did it for us as a favor that he did not owe. Concerning healing, I've had people all upset with me and want to talk. How could I ask you something? Well, what? Ain't many such a fine woman. Love the Lord with all her heart. Such a hard-working woman of God. Cleaned the church, made pies and quilts and visited the sick. And there every time the door was open, And why didn't God heal her? Why wouldn't God heal her? And they look at you like you slapped them when I said, well, what does her... Being a good woman have to do with her getting healed. You know what the answer is? Absolutely nothing. And you get to thinking that way. And you get to thinking, well, now, God, I've served you. I've done all this for you. I mean, you ought to heal me. Now, you've made it impossible for him. Because... He can't give you grace. You think it's owed to you. God, I've worked so hard for you. I've worked so hard for you. You know, you better get me this money. I'm doing all this for you. He doesn't owe you anything because of who you are, what you've done. He's made everything available to us through what Jesus has done. But it's not because we earned it or merited it in any shape, form, or fashion. And if it's by grace, there ought to be a continuous, non-ending flow of thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You didn't owe me healing, but you healed my body. You didn't owe me the money, but you paid all my bills. You didn't owe me, but thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. But when you get to feeling sorry for yourself, it's because you think something's owed to you. And you're no longer thankful. And now you're in unbelief. You're in pride. You've cut yourself off from the grace of God. One of the most dangerous things. One of the most destructive things that could happen to you or I is to yield to self-pity. Feelings. Somebody say feelings. Feelings. You ever had any? (laughs) Somebody say feelings. Feelings. Say it again. Feelings. Feelings. There's a song about that, isn't it? (laughs) Feelings. (laughs) Reckon Jesus had any feelings. When they drug him in front of the court, when they beat him, when they nailed him to the tree, reckon he had any feelings? Did he deserve any of this? No. Yet he's a man. And the Bible said, we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Did he have feelings? Did he experience feelings of weakness? Yes, and that's why he wheeled around and rebuked the devil like he did. Why was he sweating blood in the garden praying? Is he having some feelings? 
what's going on? Well, listen to the prayer. What's he praying? Oh, Father, everything's possible with you. And if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. What's his feelings? His feelings was not to do it. Does he deserve this crucifixion? This mocking, this being spit on, this crown of thorns shoved into his breath. Does he deserve? No, he's perfect. He's innocent. He's righteous. He doesn't deserve any of this. And he couldn't afford to yield to his feelings about that for one minute because it was pulling on him strong already. That's what's happening in the garden when he's sweating blood. Thank God. What strength. No matter how hard it was pulling on him, do you hear what he came back and said? Nevertheless, not my will, but your will. It's not about what I deserve. It's about what do you want me to do. And when he's on the cross, and they're railing at him, people are mocking him, saying, well, he got what's coming to him. Where's your big mouth now, preacher? Sometimes we haven't thought about what he endured. Such contradiction of sinners against himself. How about it, miracle worker? Looks like you need a miracle yourself. Come on down from there. Show us something. We'll believe in you. And glory to God, the Bible said he could have opened his mouth and called for legions of angels, right? And been delivered in an instant. And that's what he deserved. You and I'd be lost. Friend, if you and I get hung up on what we deserve or don't deserve, we play right into the devil's hand. It's a dangerous thing. What's one of the most famous phrases about psychiatry and psychotherapy? Such and such happened to you. How do you feel about that? <laughs> such and such and such and such. Well, well, how do you feel about that? How does that make you feel? Wrong question. Wrong. Those who knew Brother Smith Wigglesworth said this is one of his favorite phrases. Somebody made the mistake one morning asking him, how do you feel this morning? Said he bellowed out and said, I don't ask Smith Wigglesworth how he feels. I tell him. Oh, what a different life you and I'd have if we would quit checking up on how we feel. And if we'd quit asking each other a hundred times a day, how do you feel? Come on now, don't give me all that faith stuff. How do you feel? No, no, come on now. How do you really feel? <laughs> Friend, that is asking for disaster. You might as well throw both doors open and invite the devil into your house and bedroom and go. You know, people who have yielded to self-pity. We studied this a week or so ago about how Ahab wanted something and got his mind on it and didn't get it and went home and Bible said throwed his head into a pillar and pouted and wouldn't eat. The man's a king. He's got everything in the world. He's wearing the finest clothes. He can't even tie his own shoes. He's got the best chariots. He's got everything. And yet 
life ain't worth living <laughs> without that vineyard that's that's the one that would make me happy no it wouldn't there's always something else to covet after and long for the eyes of man are never satisfied if you can't be happy without it you won't be happy with it Oh, you might be infatuated with it for a few minutes or a few days, but the news going to wear off and you're going to be right back where you are and worse. Worse because you thought that'd make you happy. Now you know it don't. Some of the most miserable people on the planet are people that's got everything. Materially and physically. A lot of them commit suicide. Why? Because at least poor folks with nothing can pretend that if I had it. <laughs> I'd be happy, but they got it, and they know it won't make you happy. You're still not happy. No, the source of our joy and peace is not in a car or a house or a piece of jewelry. It's in the Lord, the King of kings. It's in God who loves us. It's in fellowship with Him and with His Spirit and with each other. That's where, and doing His will, doing His will. Nothing will satisfy you like doing His will. Oh, boy, that'll fill you up and make you satisfied. Feelings. How about them? Quit checking them. You don't see the word feeling very much in the Bible. So where is it? It's in the word lusts of the flesh. Lust means longing. Would longing include some feelings? Desires and thoughts and feelings. Longings. Flesh. The more carnal you are, the more you think and focus on and talk about how you feel. You ever heard people talk about it? Young people are particularly prone to do this. They should grow out of it, but young people, you know, teenagers and young ones, they're talking about, I feel good. I don't feel so good. I feel, oh, I feel happy. Oh, I feel sad. I feel, I feel. What kind of day are we going to have? Well, let me see how I feel. (laughs) If you live like that, you'll be a basket case. You won't be dependable. You won't be reliable. You'll be a liability to your family. I had the privilege of serving with Brother Kenneth Hagin, like I said. Served with him for 20-some years. And he's a man. I'm sure he made mistakes. But I tell you one thing I really appreciated about him. He was the same. I mean, every day, every day. You never had to go in and wonder, is Brother Hagin having a bad day? (laughs) Never. Thank God. Never. Did you have to tiptoe around the secretary and go, well, how about it? Should I go in or should I just go away? (laughs) No, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the more like him, that's the more we are. We don't check our feelings. We don't yield to our feelings. What if somebody didn't do it for us? I have this motto that keeps me happy. When it comes to what people do for me, presume, expect nothing. From people. Presume, don't presume anything that they're going to do for you. Presume nothing. Be thankful for everything. If they don't do it, 
you're not disappointed. (laughs) If they do do it, you're happy and thankful. Keeps you happy all the time. (laughs) Keeps you happy all the time. You're still in 1 Corinthians 10. Let me see if I can wind this up for you. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 30. He said, if I, by grace, be a partaker. How are we a partaker? By grace. Why am I evil spoken of for that for which I give thanks? Giving thanks. Colossians 1.12, you don't have to turn there, but Colossians 1.12 says, Giving thanks unto the Father who has made us meet or fit to be partakers or able to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. How are you made a partaker? It's by grace. What access is that grace? Giving thanks. I want you to see another example of how powerful this is. Jesus, when he's hanging on the cross... And these people are mocking him. These soldiers are gambling for his clothes. He's being blasphemed, maltreated. He's in agony. Physically, mentally, spiritually. The worst part, you couldn't see. By far. Did he deserve any of this? Did he deserve to be treated like this? Talked to like this? Perfect, pure. Holy, spotless, sinless, perfect obedience. Could he have thought, as they're driving these spikes into his body, could he have thought, don't they know who I am? How can they do this to me? He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Could he have thought, what are you doing? Nobody loves you like I do. I'm your creator. Don't you know who I am? I don't deserve this. That was the enemy he was rebuking when Peter spoke that. What did he say instead? Instead of thinking like that, what was he thinking? Come on, help me out. What did he say from the cross concerning what those guys were doing? Is he thinking about what he's feeling? Is he having feelings? Yeah, he's having every feeling you or I could ever have. He was tempted in all points, just like we are. Oh, he's got the feelings. His body's screaming. His mind is screaming. But his spirit is so strong. And he refuses to yield to these wrong, ungodly, unthankful, prideful, I deserve it feelings. Didn't he? And what did he say? He's concerned about them. All glory to God. He refuses to let himself think about how he feels. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Now here's the thing. Does he really expect you and me to operate like that? Does he? He absolutely does. If we did, we would never spend a day pouting again the rest of our lives. If we did that, never again would we go around miffed, hurt, 
mad, offended about what somebody did to us. Could he have gotten offended about what they were doing to him? Or what somebody didn't do for us? Is it possible to not be flesh ruled, which is feeling ruled? And to be like Brother Smith. I don't ask myself how I feel. Don't you sit down and pay somebody to ask you, how do you feel? I'm not saying there's not any good can be done in those fields. I'm saying that's not good. I don't care what book you got it out of and what school you got it out of. As believers, that's not how we're to live. And you're not to let yourself dwell and think on how it makes you feel. You're to examine it. Is it right or wrong? Is it truth or a lie? If it's truth, it doesn't make any difference how you feel about it. Do the truth. If it's right, doesn't make any difference how you feel about it. They just made me mad. Well, the Bible said forgive them. I just don't feel like it. Well, tough. Get over it. You better throw that feeling behind you. I miss messed up so bad, and, and I just don't feel like the Lord loves me. Don't call him a liar. You don't take your dumb feeling and say, I don't believe God loves me because you have a dumb feeling. I just don't feel like the Lord's forgiven me. He said he did. You better kick that dumb feeling to the curb. And believe what he said. Stand up everybody. Say it out loud. My self-pity days. Are over. I purpose in my heart. By the grace of God, to not let myself think on what I did or didn't deserve. I refuse to feel sorry for myself. I've got everything to be thankful for. So begin to do it right now. Just lift up your hands. Oh, Lord. Thank you for your grace. Oh, Lord, thank you for your goodness. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. The Bible said, be ye angry and what? Sin not, neither give place to the devil. When you're angry, do you have feelings? Do you have to yield to them and sin? No. Do you have to yield to them and open your mouth and say a bunch of junk you're ashamed of later? No. Say it out loud, feelings don't run me. There's a lot of folk need to get a little bit stronger hold on that. Close your eyes. Put your hands on your, your belly and your chest. Your soul, your spirit. Say it out loud. Greater is he that's in me. Than all my feelings. Greater is he that's in me. 
than my emotions. emotions. Greater Greater is the love of God God. and the faith of God God. in me me. than any of this stuff stuff. against me. me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Said out loud, I will not not be be ruled by my feelings. I will cease to let myself dwell on how I feel. I'll be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. I'll walk in faith. I'll walk in love. No matter how I feel and my feelings will have to change. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.